Good morning. Today's readings remind us that men and women, at least majority of us, are called to leave their parents to marry and to become one flesh. And marriage, as we heard in our first reading from Genesis and as our Lord Jesus Christ states today in the gospel, marriage is intended thus solely between a man and a woman. And this image of the married couple becoming one flesh has captured the imagination and the spiritual convictions of believers from the very dawn of creation, from the very first moments of the new world. In the Old and New Testaments, when a man and a woman came together in marriage, they became one flesh, each becoming a part of the other, each becoming so intertwined their lives, their very essence, that it was that they could not be separated. It, it's like when you would JB weld something and the resin would harden and you cannot tell where one begins and the other ends. And even more physically that this one flesh would become about and that of the children they would produce. That the two coming together, you could not split that child. One going back to the mother, going, well, the other going back to the father. You just can't do that. The, they're so intertwined that to separate would be to do damage. And this image, this understanding of the one flesh of becoming part of the other is even seen in the account of the creation of man and woman. We have Adam who's initially created and God has him go through all the animals in creation to try and find a, a helpmate, a partner, a companion. And none of these satisfy him. None of these fill the longing that was within his heart to be with another, to be in communion, to be in love. So what does God do? God takes a rib from the side of him and creates Eve. He creates woman, one from man. And it is in that moment when Adam comes out of the grogginess of the sleep that God put him in to create Eve that he looks upon her. And he has love in his heart. He comes to know who he is for the first time in his life. He knows that he is made to be in communion with another, to be intimately joined. And he says, behold, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. This is the one my heart has ached for. And in this beautiful mystery of the primordial sacrament of marriage being formed in the Garden of Eden, in perfection, in a world before sin. God is giving us an insight into his very self, into the communion of persons that is the Trinity, of the love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that man and his relationship of coming together with woman in matrimony gives us an insight into the very mind, the very heart of God. And it is in this that they come together in a total self-gift to the other. And as I said, it reflects that interpersonal love within the Most Holy Trinity. He recognizes a part of himself, someone without whom he would be completely incomplete. Someone who was so missing from his life. For many of us, those called to marriage, those already living in marriage, God has blessed Maybe you or those two people who will become married with someone out there whom they can be complete with. Be whole. And the Lord respects their freedom to enter into a marriage covenant because that's what matrimony is. That's what marriage is. It's entering into a covenant saying, only you 
Only you and God are all I want, all I need, all that satisfies me. All that I want in this life is you and God and the fruit and the gifts that come from that, the fruit of children. Theologically, we talk about there's three goods to marriage. There's the good of the spouses. They're helping each other get to heaven. They're helping each other grow in virtue. They're helping each other grow in the Christian life. Then there's the good of children. As we said, that one flesh manifests itself and that of children coming about out of the intense, fiery, passionate love of the two spouses comes forth new life. And that is a participation in the very action of God as he breathes creation into existence. We imitate him and we participate in bringing forth new life just as he brought us from the dust of the earth. We help bring forth new life. And then there's the good of the sacraments. That marriage as an institution is something that helps us be human, that it provides supernatural graces, that it is the building block, the firm foundation upon which all society is built. And unfortunately, so much in society right now is trying to destroy that bedrock foundation, that institution that allows for good, wholesome lives, lives rooted in Jesus Christ. And that is why it is so terrible, it is so tragic whenever a couple decides that they can't go any longer with each other, that they separate, that they divorce. It's so tragic, going back to that image I said of the JB weld coming together for the resin, the plastic, that you can't tell what is apart. If you've ever had to try and crack something apart that you've glued together accidentally, you know it doesn't come apart cleanly. In fact, you may have had two clean pieces come together but when you're going to tear that apart, it's going to be cragged, it's going to be dented, it's going to be tearing itself apart, it's going to be destroyed, which either path being irreconcilable. And that's what happens to the hearts in divorce, unfortunately, that them separating, it tears apart from the other, it tears at the heart, it wounds the heart of the other. And not only that, but it wounds the fruit that comes from marriage, it wounds the children Many times couples in their throes of passion and fighting only think about what's happening to me. They don't think about the children as much. They don't think about the long-term effects because this institution is supposed to be set aside for lifelong, for the good of whole life. Now, some of you may be thinking, yes, but what about annulment? What about that? Doesn't the church give us annulment? Yes, the church does give us annulment. But the aspect of annulment is the reality that the sacramental marriage did not exist to begin with. That's why it's a declaration of nullity. If anyone has ever had a contract be declared null and void, it's empty. There's nothing there, sacramentally at least. Children may have come about from it, good things, but it was not a sacramental marriage. And thus, because it was not sacramentally bonded with the resin that is Christ, it could be dissolved because it was, there was nothing to begin with the bond there. Now divorce on the other hand now, that's simply the separation of the spouses and saying we're not gonna live together, we're gonna go do our own thing, unfortunately. And it's interesting that when Christ, the Pharisees come to Christ and they ask him, teacher, you're pretty smart, you know about things, tell us about this divorce thing. Which one of us is right? Because there was two lines of thought about divorce amongst the Pharisees and they were thinking, okay, He's somewhat of an arbitrator here. If we don't like what he says, we'll just condemn him and the others anyway. And he asked them, he doesn't ask, what does God command? 
Jesus asked, what does Moses command? What does the man sent by God command? What is this, this judge on earth? What does he do? They say, well, he gave us permission to write bills of divorce, to separate from our spouses, sometimes over petty things, sometimes over great things. And Jesus said, it was not in the beginning. It was not so, but from the beginning, God made them to be together. And thus Christ is reaffirming. He's not normally when Christ encounters the Mosaic law. He calls to go above the minimum. He calls to not live at the baseline, but to go further, to go a step further in living out what the reality law is calling. But here he's actually bringing a correction. He's bringing a correction to what should be normative. That marriage is lifelong, that it is good, that it is fruitful, that it is wholesome. But unfortunately from time to time, stressors, things do happen in marriage. Difficulties arise. And thus, I say let us turn to the book of Tobit as a great example for those in marriage, for those who are looking to be married, for those who are in marriage, for those who are maybe struggling. Tobias and Sarah had a problem. Sarah was married seven times before, but every time she'd marry, on the night of her wedding, the husband would die. Now, Tobias, naturally, as many men would, would look at this with some suspicion. And he'd be like, mm, I don't know about this, but I love her, I want her. I want to be with her. Unknown to her, unknown to both of them, it was a demon that was afflicting Sarah, that was killing each of her new husbands during the night, during the marital night. And thus, they need help. And it is the companion of Tobias, Azariah, the angel, the archangel Raphael in disguise, who tells them how to drive away. He identifies the problem. He said, there's a demon that's afflicting her. There's a demon that's coming and killing the spouses, but I will tell you how to get rid of it. And he gives them instructions, and they do. They get married. And as they go into the bridal chamber that night, Tobias and Sarah spend their wedding night praying before going to sleep for the evening. And they pray that the Lord bless them with old age together, since they were marrying not out of lust, not out of fiery passion, but because marriage was part of God's particular plan for them in their life, that he wanted to do something with their marriage, just as he wants to do with each and every one of your marriages. He has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a goal he is accomplishing for the kingdom of God. So they pray and the demon is put to flight. Now for many of us, some unfortunately, it's not an actual demon that's afflicting our marriage, but there's something demonic-like. There's something diabolical that is trying to rend the marriage asunder. It could be that of being unequally yoked in maturity or the spiritual life. It could be that of infidelity of one spouse or both. It could be that of financial stress tearing at the couple during these times. It could be stress and anxiety, maybe a mental health issue of another of the spouse. It could be that of a physical ailment afflicting one of the spouses that's causing the stress and the turmoil. It could be that of infertility. Many young couples struggle with that today, and it is something that could break a marriage if they are not rooted in that of Jesus Christ as the source of life, or they try and take God into their own hands and go and do things that are unnatural to bring about life. Life is brought about, but it's not as God intended. Thus, 
whatever it may be that's afflicting, whatever diabolical thing that's trying to rent a marriage asunder, to put it to flight is by turning to God and saying, God, bless this marriage. I'm sure there are some who know someone that maybe isn't married within the church. Maybe they got civilly married. Why not ask them, hey, y'all been married for some time together. Why not get your marriage blessed by the church? Why not have your marriage sacramentalized to where you can receive the special graces that allow you to live heroically out the virtues of marriage, the virtues of being a parent? Something that could be a very good practice for couples both in good and bad times is to do what Tobit and Sarah did, to take time maybe one evening in the month or maybe one evening in the week and to pray the prayer that Tobit and Sarah prayed together, that they prayed with their spouse before turning in for the evening. You could find that prayer in Tobit 8, 5 to 9. In that way, you ask for God's blessing upon the marriage. You ask for God's blessing for each other to grow as spouses in greater love and greater dignity and greater respect. You could then pray for each other's problems, what's going on, asking, what do you want me to pray for you tonight? What's going on in your life? And in that way, you gain a deeper insight of what's going on in your spouse's heart of hearts. And you could pray for them and love them and be there for them and be present. I also urge you to pray for couples who are in the throes of struggle, whatever it may be, whatever that struggle may be that wants to rend them asunder. Pray for them. Pray for the couples that are preparing for marriage, that they may have a firm foundation upon the rock that is Christ, that they may have the good of each other in mind, that they may have the good of children, be they physical or spiritual children, and that they may live out the sacramental life to the fullness. Amen.